0: Now, this morning, you know, uh, I'm just so grateful for the scripture, aren't you? And and every, you know, it's like I think about this whenever I'm preparing a message. I think this message could change somebody's life. And then I think almost, well, not almost every Sunday, I could say this message could change your life. Well, it's the life giving word. That's why. Right. But really, this morning, we're going to look at what I believe is one of the most important ingredients to living in an abundant life, a fulfilled life. It's, it's so important for us to do and to get where God wants us to go. And uh, and that's building strong relationships. How many of you know that's important? That's really important. In Matthew chapter seven, in verse 12, we're going to look at this one verse and it says this In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, have you ever heard someone say concerning relationships, hey, just follow the golden rule. This is the golden rule. This verse right here. This is the golden rule. And I believe that practicing the golden rule can transform your life, can change your life, can help you go from mediocrity to extraordinary living. Amen? And uh, I believe practicing the golden rule is the key to building strong, lasting relationships. You know, let me ask you a question. How many of you this morning could honestly say, I have built some good, strong, solid, lasting relationships in my life? You know, that's great. Some people have. In fact, they they got great relationships, not just one. But they have great relationships in their life. But the reality is some people... You know, they say, man, let's see, do I have a strong, lasting relationship in my life? And they would be hard pressed to name anybody. But how many of you know, that's not good. We all need strong, lasting relationships. Amen. What a tragedy to live life without having that kind of relationship going on in your life. But many people do. And I believe all of us desire and all of us need that kind of relationship. You know, I was just thinking about this this morning. It's not in my notes. I'm just going to say it while I'm thinking about it. But you know, David defeated Goliath, right? Do you know that David faced a giant at one part of his life that he had his back to the wall, that he was going to lose the battle had he not had a friend to help him? You know, some some of us maybe never heard that story. But David was able to defeat Goliath, but there came a day when he needed a friend. And so today I want to talk to you about how to build strong, lasting relationships because we all need it. And we're going to begin talking about why we need to build strong, lasting relationships. And, and that's part of what the scripture does is it, it, it just piques our interest and it just kind of salts our oats and say, hey, you need this in your life. Galatians, not Galatians, but Genesis 2.18 says this. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, Adam, although he was in a perfect environment, in a perfect relationship with God, although he was in that situation, the Lord realized there was something Adam still needed. And he said, you know what? It's not good that man should be alone. And so Adam's need, as well as ours, was to be in relationship with others. And we all need to have good relationships with others. Are you all with me out there? God created every human being with a need for a relationship with other people. And when that need is not not met, we suffer. We all have a need to be loved. And if we're not loved, if we're not in a relationship with other people, we are going to suffer. It doesn't matter how many Bible verses we can quote. It doesn't matter how much money we have in the bank. It does not matter. If we don't have relationships, we will have a lack in our life. And that's what the Lord was saying. He was talking about, of obviously, marriage here when he said, hey, he, and that's when he created Eve. And he said, Adam and Eve, here you go. But you know what? I believe the need goes beyond that. I believe the need goes deeper than that. All of us need relationship. You know, I think I can't think of a better illustration of this than whenever I think about Mike and Dottie out there in Guatemala. And they come here every year and I never get tired of hearing their story. I never get there's always new stories. There's always fresh, uh, you know, things that they share that wows you. And, and, you know, the thing about it is every time they come, they talk about these kids that were hung in a tree. The parents left them or they were abused or they were sold or, you know, all these horrible stories. And they come into the orphanage. Some of them can't talk. They're totally unsociable. They they have this social anxiety. They, they're they so timid. They're so fearful. They They're just totally messed up. But given time in the orphanage, given time in their house, loved and accepted and nurtured, all of a sudden, those that can't talk now can talk. Those that couldn't learn anything now excel in school. Those that were so timid now, they begin to get free, and they run around, and they jump in people's arms, and they flourish. They're like a plant that is watered and nurtured. All of a sudden, they go from a wilting plant to just so vibrant and alive. You know what that is? That's a, that's a need being met in somebody's life. We all need relationships, and some of us maybe have given up on relationships because of bad experiences, rejection and abuse and all that kind of stuff and And you know that's understandable. It's natural for us to pull back whenever we get in a relationship with somebody and they and they hurt us or they 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 run out on us or they betray us, they reject us, all that. but I want to encourage you today. To not run away anymore, but to run towards building strong relationships. Not to run away, but to run towards. Why? In order to experience a healthy life, you have to build relationships. When somebody's on their deathbed, they never say, bring me my stocks and bonds. They never say, bring all my titles of everything I own. It's always... Bring my family, bring my close loved ones here. I want to see them because that is what's most important in life. Amen. So I submit to you this instead of waiting to our deathbed. Let's work on relationships now. Amen. Amen. Listen, long lasting relationships are essential to enjoying professional success. Do You know, people want to succeed. They want to go up the carpet ladder. They everybody wants to be successful in their profession. But listen to this. Seven out of 10 people are fired from their jobs, not because they can't do the job. It's not a competency problem, but because they can't get along with people. It's a relationship problem. You see, it's a relationship problem. The most important ingredient to achieving success in life is not our education or our abilities, despite what the world might tell us. But it's in our ability to get along with people. It's in our ability to build relationships with other people. Amen? So, you know, so what that means is that if you want to succeed where you work, get along with people. That's what it means. If you want to have a job and keep one, be nice. I think we could close in prayer right there. Amen. I could tell that was all you needed for today right there. Amen. But listen, relationships are key to succeeding in your professional life. You say, but I don't have a college degree. You cannot have a college degree and go right past the people with college degrees. Amen. Amen. OK, so listen, relationships are key to enjoying spiritual success in life as well. And uh, Matthew twenty two thirty six. 36, this is what a lawyer came to Jesus and said, hey, what's the greatest commandment? What should I do to, to be successful in this spiritual thing? And Jesus said in verse 36, which is the greatest commandment in the law? The lawyer said, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these commandments. Now, what he's saying is you totally fulfill everything from Genesis to Malachi. If you love God with all your heart and you love your neighbor as yourself. That's all the commandments. That's all the law and the prophets. And he says, you do all that if you do these two things. Jesus is emphasizing the importance of relationships and how it relates to being successful in our spiritual walk. You see, you can't be successful spiritually if you don't have a right relationship with God and if you don't have a right relationship with other people. The only way to succeed spiritually is you got to get along with other people. Amen? And you got to get along with God, of course. Amen. All right. How many of you know that relationships can release supernatural provision in your life? We're talking about why we need to make this an important part of our life. How many of you ever received a, a job or a gift or a blessing because of a friend that you knew? A little piece of information that transformed your life. You know, when God is ready to bless his children, many times the way that he blesses us is through relationships. Isn't that right? He blesses us. Okay, he says, here we are. We're praying and we say, Lord, I got this need. Lord, I just have, you know, I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden we bump into somebody we didn't mean in a long time. And we start having a conversation and they give us a solution to our problem. How many of you ever had that happen to you? Amen. And, and so it's amazing how God will release his miraculous provision in our life as it pertains to building relationships with people. You know, you know, in in a, in um, in this book, Gary Brothers wrote, he talks about uh, borrowed vessels and and he talks about how there's hidden treasure in our relationships. And he goes to and he talks about Second Kings, chapter four, which is where you should be right now. But in 2 Kings chapter 4 is a familiar story about the prophet. Remember the prophet Elijah and the widow woman? And she was, hey, her husband died. He was a prophet and he was serving the, the other prophets. And, and she said, listen, my husband died. I'm about to lose everything. They want to take my children. You need to help me. And so the prophet gives her some instruction for her to be able to get her need met. And I want to read it because it's so, it's so profound. In 2 Kings 4, 1, One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elijah and cried out, my husband who served you is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. And so uh, verse two, what can I do to help you? Elijah asked, tell me what you have in the house. Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, Bar as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons. Shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. And her sons kept bringing jars to her. And she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. And he said, Bring me another jar. And she said to one of her sons, there aren't any more, he told her. And then the Isle of All stopped flowing. And when she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now go sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live what is, on, what is left over. So now there was a miracle that happened. You know, you could say she had a mortgage and she couldn't pay the rent, couldn't pay her house note, and they were about to take her house or take her sons and the house, take everything. And so she goes to the prophet and she says, hey, I need some help. I'm about to lose everything. He said, all right, what, what you got in your house? A little flask. Okay, take that flask. In fact, go pour some others and bring them into the house. And, when you, and with that little oil in the flask, pour it in those containers. And as you pour it, I'm going to fill them up. And it was supernatural. As she filled one, there wasn't enough oil in that flask to go fill all these containers. But as she obeyed and did what the prophet said, all of a sudden the vessels started filling up. And so we look at that story and the quality of the miracle the widow received was determined by what she had in her house and her faith to obey what the prophet said. Right. But listen to this. The quantity of a miracle was determined by what she had outside the house, which were her relationships. The prophet said, go to your friends and neighbors and borrow some containers. Suppose she had no friends. Knock on the door. Hey, can I borrow a jar? I'm not giving you a jar. You, you are just the most honorary person I've ever met in my life. You can forget about it. Next door. Can I borrow a jar? I need a jar. I'm not giving you a jar. You're the ugliest person in the street. I'm not giving you anything. And if she went to every door and nobody opened up the door and gave her a container, she would have not received the miracle that she received. The miracle was related to her relationships that she had outside her house. And you see, many times God provides miraculous things to us as we build relationships outside of our house. How many of you ever got a job because you knew somebody and you got there and you had the job already because somebody put in a good word for you and said you can hire them. They are worthy of their hire. And you walk, walk right in and they got a stack of applications on their desk. You got a miracle provision because of your relationships. Isn't this great? This is the hidden power of relationships. Blessings come to us whenever we build relationships. Remember the paralytic in Luke chapter 5? This guy was paralyzed. He couldn't walk. Do you remember that story? I'm just going to talk about it and not go there. But it's in Luke chapter 5. You remember this guy? And, and Jesus is having this meeting and everybody found out about it. The house is full and, and the friends bring their friend to the meeting so he could be healed. Because he couldn't get there himself. And, and the house is full. And so they can't get in. So instead of going home, they climbed on the roof. And they must have knew a little bit about construction. They started pulling off the tiles on the roof until they made a hole right over where Jesus, you know, like he was preaching and all of a sudden dust starts falling. He's like, what is going on here? There the sun comes in and here comes this guy, Lord, in this mat right in the front of Jesus. And he's like, wow, this is crazy. What are y'all doing? My friend needs a healing. And Jesus said, listen, man, y'all faith is so strong. I'm to heal this guy. That's what he said, because of y'all faith, I may heal this guy. And first he says, hey, your sins are forgiven. And the, the religious leaders there said, who are you to say your sins are forgiven? You can't forgive sins. So you know that I can forgive sins. And which one's harder to forgive sins or to heal this guy? Hey, Pick up your mat, man. Go home so these religious leaders here can know that I am the son of God. And so he picked up his mat and he goes home. Now, if that paralytic person had not had friends, he would have not got healed. Are you all with me out there? And so this is another miracle that happens in the Bible, all because whenever Paul, remember whenever Paul, remember he was he was a headhunter, he was hunting the heads of Christians and all of a sudden he gets saved. And so he wants to go hang out with the apostles. And they said, no way, dude. Uh-uh. I know you got a gun in your coat. You're coming in here to take us out. You're not coming in this meeting. No way. But he had a friend named Barnabas that spoke up for him and said, hey, hey, listen, I know. I know Paul's reputation precedes him. He's been no good, but he's had a conversion, man. I'm telling you, he's been converted. I've seen it. I've experienced it. God is using him. You need to open up your hearts and allow this guy to come into your midst. And they did. And we got the New Testament, a lot of the New Testament, all because of friendships. Are y'all tracking with me? God's great. Some of God's greatest resources and miraculous provisions comes through relationships. You know, I. A couple of weeks ago, I went to a training and there was uh, uh, to train third world leaders to to plant churches and stuff. And there was a guy there that has opened up. Countries that are totally uh, uh, Hindu, Islam, Muslim, you know, totally close to Christianity. But this guy is just opening up these countries. And so, um, you know, and they they introduced us to him and said, man, this guy, I mean, Beirut, Iraq, I mean, all over the place. And this guy happened to be in Iraq when the war started. And all of a sudden he's there trying to open up doors to to preach the gospel and the war breaks out. And they shut down the the uh, the airstrips. I mean, nobody's coming in, going out. He's stuck and the war is going on. What I'm going to do, I can't I can't walk out of here. The only way to get out of here is to fly. But because he was everywhere, he would just he was the kind of guy that made friends and he made friends wherever he went. And he made friends with this lady in Jordan. And he just was nice to her, said hello, showed interest in her. Well, he thought about her and they had a shortwave radio that they could use for a short time. And he used the radio and he called Jordan and he remembered her name and and called and said, hey, can you tell me where so-and-so is? I need to talk to her. And so they got her on the phone and it turns out that this lady ran the airport in Jordan. This is a true story. And because that lady was running the airport, which was also shut down, she sent a jet special trip just to get this guy out of Iraq because he was in harm's way in the midst of war. All because he had a friend who showed interest in him because he showed interest in her. Isn't that powerful? That is a powerful story. And so Listen. We need to build strong relationships. How do you do that? Well, Jesus gives us the key in Matthew 7:12. And this is what he says. In everything therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. That's not real that's not real deep until you think about it. And then it gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. How do you want to be treated? He says, treat people. The key to building strong relationships is how you treat people. How you treat people. How do we want to be treated? Very nice. Right? And he says, this is it, gang. This is how. Listen, if you don't have any relationships right now, long lasting relationships, and you would like some, treat people correctly. And you're going to have some. So how do we treat people? Four ways that we need to treat people that we can look at the life of Jesus and say, that's what he did. Number one, I must learn to accept people. I need to accept people. Accepting people means you love them despite their issues, differences or personality quirks. Hey, let me ask you a question. How many people have issues? Everybody, right? So listen. If we can't love people with issues, we're not going to have any friends. Because everybody got issues. Amen? Accepting people is loving people unconditionally. And so unconditional love says, I will accept you, even if you don't believe like me, look like me, act like me, or behave like me. i must say that again. Accepting people is loving people unconditionally. And it means I will accept you even if you don't believe like me, look like me, act like me, or behave like me. Does everybody have to behave like us for us to love them? Well, if they did, no parent would ever love their teenager. Right? Right? And no teenager would ever love their parent. Oh, man, they're all fuddy-duddies, man. They just don't have a clue. Right? Jesus accepted people, everybody else rejected. He, he accepted people, everybody else rejected. This is what John sixteen thirty seven. However, however, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. Remember the lady caught in adultery? They drug her. We caught her in the very act. And Jesus said, oh, really? Okay, well, let's see. Starts, you know, drawing on the ground. He says, okay, you guys who've never thrown the first stone, uh, you who've never sinned, throw the first stone. So they dropped their stones and they took off. And the lady said, hey, they're all gone. See, the guys were ready to crucify her. She was an adulterer. She deserved to be stoned. But Jesus accepted her, even though her life wasn't squeaky clean. Amen? Okay, so not only that, but remember the lepers? They had to go around unclean, unclean. And whenever they heard that, people ran away. I'm not getting around that person. I might get that leprosy. Jesus accepted them. So come over here, man. Let me pray for you. You know, somebody said, you know, the lepers of modern time are maybe like people with AIDS. You know, Mother Teresa. She didn't run away from them. She ran to them. Right? And others. But look at Jesus. You remember whenever he went to Zacchaeus' house? You know, Zacchaeus, notorious tax a sinner, he was a, a tax collector, which means he ripped people off in that day. And he climbs a tree, saw, sees Jesus, Jesus sees him, said, come down that tree, Zacchaeus, let's go to your place. And the religious leader said, man, who is this guy? He's going in eating with these IRS ripoffs. And Jesus said, wait, wait, hold on. I didn't come for people that were well, I came for people that were sick. Right? Are y'all getting this yet? And so listen, we must learn to accept people if we're going to build relationships with all their issues and all. Because all of us have issues. And listen, for somebody to be my friend, they're going to have to put up with my issues. Or I'm not going to have any friends. Because Tanya will tell you I got issues. All <laughs> right? My mother in law will tell you I got issues. She lives right next door, right? So listen, Romans 15, 7 says, therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that you will so that God will be given glory. I love that verse. Accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. Bottom line is I will never build strong, healthy relationships until I accept people just like Christ accepted me. Got that? If you got that, say got that. Number two, I must build strong relationships I must put great value on others. Put great value. The world tends to put value on people who have money, are successful, have good looks, great talent, and have accomplished much. You know, I mean, if you're a rock star, man, people will jump off cliffs to get your autograph. You know, you're a nobody until you succeed at something and everybody wants to be your friend. And the world puts value on people that are successful. And, and listen, the scripture addresses the church and says, look, don't give special treatment to rich people. If you're going to give treatment to somebody that's rich, give that same treatment to somebody that ain't got nothing. Didn't the scripture say that? And so in other words, he's saying, put the same value on Everybody. The world tends to put value only on people who seem successful or important. But God puts value on everyone, regardless of their success, looks, talents, and popularity. In fact, if he shows a preference, he might show preference towards those that are the most messed up. Right? And we all said, thank the Lord for that, man. Thank the Lord, I got his attention because I was such a mess. But Luke chapter 12, verse six says, what is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins. Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. And so the point Jesus is trying to make is that we're all valuable to God, aren't we? Everybody's valuable. What makes us so valuable? You know, I heard somebody say it like this. Two things make something valuable. Number one is who made it. Number two, what someone will pay for it. I see our brother Tony here. He's an artist. You know, George Roderick, they'll pay, you know, all kinds of money for something he drew. Because he is a well-known, popular artist. And so, you know, Tony could draw it and George puts his name on it and they'll pay big bucks for it. Right, Tony? It's who made it. Now, if I draw that dog, I mean, I might have to pay somebody to take it. I mean, nobody's going to want that dog. It might look just like kind of like the other one, but nobody's going to want it because I drew it. Isn't that true? And so value is who made it and what someone will pay for it. And so who made every person walking on the planet? What price did he pay for everybody on the planet? a very high price. The Bible says in 1st Peter 1, you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, and the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver, it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but but he has now revealed him to you in these last days. You know what he's saying? Before you were worth ransoming, he decided he was going to ransom you. And so we have great value. Why? Because God created us and the price he paid was he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross for us. Amen. So the cross is a symbol of the great value and love that God has for all of his creation. Amen. Every soul has great value. Every person has great value. Not just people that are accomplished, not just people that have great gifts and talents. Everybody is valuable. Amen. Are y'all with me? Everybody is valuable. You know, I remember this story. I mean, this experience, it wasn't a story. I remember Brother Francis and I went to a car dealership. Guy here at church, worked there, and we got there. And, and so this guy wanted in to introduce Brother Francis the big dog at Family Life, the head pastor. And so he's introducing him to the manager and all this stuff. And this, and so Brother Francis, very cordial and polite, nice, and and, and, and just, you know, greeting everybody. And this guy walks in, and he, he walks against the back wall, and he's moving against the back wall. And Brother Francis looks past all the salespeople, the managers, and he goes to the guy walking on the back wall, and he goes up to him and says, how you doing, sir? My name is Francis. What's yours? He was just a laborer there. You know what? That guy ended up coming to church, getting saved, and they're still in this church today. Why? Yes. Why? Because Brother Francis put a value on everybody's head. We got to put a 10 on everybody's head. They might not comb their hair like us. They're still valuable to God. It might not be the same color as ours. They're still valuable to God. Amen? They might... They might not believe like us. They're still valuable to God. Are y'all with me? If we're going to make friends, we got to put value on people. Okay. If you got it, say amen. All right. I need to move on here. Number three. If we want to build strong, healthy relationships. I must take every opportunity to encourage others. Encouragement is the oxygen of the soul. And everybody needs it just like oxygen. Amen. And so Hebrews 10, 25 says, let us not give up meeting together as some who are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. We're admonished to encourage one another. And, you know, how do you encourage one another? Encourage one another. How do you do that? Encourage. We need to encourage people. How do you encourage people? Well, let me ask you, how do you get encouraged? What encourages you? Somebody pointing out your faults. It's a great stimulus in your life. Pumps you up. Listen, first Thessalonians 511 says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in the fact you are doing. So listen, encouragement is an attempt to build somebody up. Now, let, me, let me let me take a moment to say this. Don't lay it thick. You know, some people you're like, "Oh man, quit stroking me. What you after, man? You know, come on, let's get to the bottom line. How I many going overboard? Oh man, you're the greatest thing. You know what I mean, and man? It's like, you know, it's like, it's like that that lady that lost her husband. He was in the casket, and the preacher was saying all this kind stuff about him. And she finally got up and went looking the casket and said, I, "I had to see who you were talking about." <laughs> They ain't the same guy I knew. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? You know, encouragement is an attempt to build somebody up. It's helping people through their discouragement. It's transfusing courage into another person, helping them through the difficulties, discouragements and pains of life. How do you build people up? By speaking kindly. By showing sympathy, compassion. By smiling. By being courteous. By being friendly and helpful. By showing a genuine interest in people. Being considerate of people's struggles and feelings. Amen? That's how you build people up. But listen, to build people up, you got to get your eyes off of yourself. And it's got to be on other people. Our tendency, the natural tendency, is to just, what can I get out of you for my benefit? And we've got to reverse that and say, what can I give you for your benefit? And man, everybody wants a little encouragement. You know, I love to go in these places where, you know, they got to deal with the public all the time. And you walk in, and they look like they've been eating, you know... <laughs> Saw a briar in a frosty morning and you know you know what I mean? They got they a long face like a Missouri Mew, you know, and you walk in and you you don't have to ask them how they're doing, you can tell. And I love to walk in and say, How you doing? You having a great day? Gotta work here. That's terrible. And you just try to encourage them. It's really fun. Just encourage them thank you so much for serving me today. You know, there's a lot of waitresses that haven't heard anybody in a while say, thank you for serving me today. You know, there's family that just, you know, that came to church the other day because Pastor Nick and Emily were just nice to her at the coffee shop. How about that? You know, just be nice. And we can win the world. I think think I've made this point, right? So how do you build people up? You just say nice things, encourage them, compliment them. And number four, how do you build strong relationships? I must forgive others when they hurt me. And uh, if I'm to build strong relationships that last, I have to forgive people. Why? Because you know what? Whenever you get in relationship, it's just a matter of time where they're going to say something that hits you the wrong way. Isn't that true? No, that was too weak. Isn't that true? Yeah. I want you to think about your best friend in life. Do you think it's possible that you have maybe hurt or offended them at some point in your relationship? You know, really... If we have good friends, it's because they have learned to forgive us whenever we've offended them, right? And so I believe that it's impossible to build long-lasting relationships unless we learn how to forgive people whenever they hurt us. Could it be possible that the only reason that, that we have any friends at all is because God has gifted them and graced them with the ability to look past our faults and our shortcomings. Amen? Those who carry grudges never cultivate strong, healthy, lasting relationships. In fact, it becomes like a poison, and everywhere we go, we poison people all around us. And instead of attracting people to us, we repel people away from us. You know that people can tell the spirit of us. You know what I mean? I mean, they walk in and you go, oh, ho, ho, ho. you know, I see you later. I'm out of here. You could just discern. Right. And then there are people, they're like, man, they're just like, they just light a room up when they come in. There's the spirit about them. You just like, man, I love to be brother Larry Myers. I mean, you know, every time I get around that guy, he just, you know. He just builds me up. He encourages me. And rebukes me and stuff, you know. But, but, but you know what I'm saying? Are you all with me? We have people like that at work. Some offices we go right by. <laughs> you know, in fact, we start sprinting. <laughs> and in other people, we slow down and we say, hey, how's it going? Had a good day. Yeah. Come on. Are y'all. Come on. Is this true? Come on. People, you, you know, some people, we never ask them, how you doing? Oh, bad question. And then there are other people we just love to hang around because they just they just kind, loving. But the point is, we got to learn to forgive just like Christ forgave us. Jesus forgave and requires us to forgive. Isn't that right? And um, in Luke chapter 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. These are people that that crucified him and he's forgiven them. He's forgiven people that are nailing him to the cross. And then he says, now you go ahead and forgive others. Now, listen, Colossians 3.13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And so love keeps us together in harmony. Love builds strong relationships. Unforgiveness tears it all down. We need to make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends us. And remember the Lord forgave you. And he continues to forgive me. Amen. So remember the forgiveness we received. We need to give out. The same forgiveness we gave. And so Matthew 18, he said, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I've had mercy on you? And so listen, some of us, we have no strong relationships because we've been hurt. And we said, forget about it. People, all they do is take advantage of you. They hurt you. No, no, not really. Not everybody. Not everybody. But listen, the option is if you don't forgive, is you're going to live a very lonely, isolated life. That's not what God has in mind. So we have to forgive. We have to give over our rejection. We have to get over our insecurity and say, you know what? I'm not loving, expecting everybody to, to love me in return. I'm loving because that's what God wants me to do. And if he tells me to do it, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to leave the outcome to him. Amen. But I believe that whenever we sow the right seed, we're going to reap the right harvest. Amen. And you keep loving enough people. You keep accepting enough people. You keep putting enough value on people. You're going to have friends, multiple friends, all the days of your life. And one day you might just receive a tremendous miracle in your life because you learn to build strong, lasting relationships. Amen. Amen. Would you stand and let's close in prayer. Would you just bow with me? Let's 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 make application. How many of you feeling lonely right now in your life? No no relationships. The Lord said it's not good that man should be alone. It's not good. We all have a need, a need to be loved and a need to love others. We got to have it. People don't function correctly. They struggle in their life. So we got to have it. We can't just surrender to our our fears. We got to just move out of it and open up our hearts. I just I just want to pray for maybe some of you here today Have just been betrayed. Maybe more than once. Multiple times. Maybe you've just kind of isolated yourself. You've become a loner. And the Lord maybe is just wanting to encourage you. And challenge you. To begin to build relationships. To reach out to people around you. Maybe invite them over. Maybe invite them for coffee. Maybe going across the yard. And meeting neighbors or something just to begin to take the steps to build relationships. How do you do it? Well, you just treat them the way that you want to be treated. You want people to show interest in you. You want people to have compassion for you. And that's what you just need to extend to others. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, help us today. Help us today, Lord, in a world where there's so many broken relationships, so much isolation, so much distance. Lord, help us as the body of Christ to do the opposite of the way the world's gone. Lord, help us to accept people regardless of what whether they believe like us, look like us, act like us. Help us, God, to love the unlovable. Help us, God, to accept the ones that nobody else is accepting. Help us, Lord, to put value on everybody. Every soul is created in the image and likeness of God. Help us to love those that nobody else loves, God. Lord, we pray today that you would help us, God to be an encourager that Lord we just Lord not not uh, short on compliments not short on encouragement not short on lifting people up help us God Lord to be a, a, a lifter of people and not a terror not tearing people down not a taker Lord help us today to Lord to be Lord just a conduit of your love and your grace wherever we go that people in our workplace people in our neighborhood would be attracted to our workstation attracted to our home, Lord, because of what they sense and feel coming out of us. Lord Jesus, we thank you, we praise you for your grace that is being released over us today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and everybody that agreed said, amen. 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 Well, now the work begins, right? Y'all ready to go out and do it? Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great day.